Welcome to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father Craig Guerra. And me, Father David Pelican. As we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month wherever you get your podcast, and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. Well, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Men of the Hearts podcast. Our last episode, we had Father uh, Perrin Atisha from the Chaldean Epikion. He is taking the helm as vocation director for all you Chaldean guys out there, uh, thinking about the priesthood. A wonderful priest, good holy priest, and uh, can certainly help you uh, discern a call if you are thinking about that. This month, we welcome a priest who works here at Sacred Heart Major Seminary as a spiritual director. I really don't know too much about his story, so I'm interested to learn and how he became a priest and what he does at the seminary on a regular basis. So welcome, Father Cy Whitaker. Thank you very much. It's good great to, to have you on. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's good to be here with you. Thank you. Father David, how are you doing today? Doing great. Doing great. How are you, Father Craig? I'm, I'm so-so again today. Are you? Uh-oh. I'm okay, but I, I'm Uh-oh. sure I'll, my spirits will liven after this conversation. Mm, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> yes. sure it will, too. Father Sai has that uh, that effect on people. I can already feel the holiness coming across the table here. It's like it's like the sun shining on my soul right now. It's wonderful. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so, so, Father Sai, uh, yes. you know, any blessings going on in your life? Like, what's the last month been for you? Anything you want to share? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there have been a number of blessings. I work here at the seminary. I do a lot of spiritual direction. It's really fun uh, for me, believe it or not. I, it is fun to work with the young guys, and especially these younger ones, the new ones, uh, taking on this identity mm-hmm. of seminarian, of learning that they have so many things they have to do to engage and be engaged by formation, Mm. prayer, mass, studies, community, all these different things, and to just see them grow. I I really love to watch that. Mm -hmm. I love to watch them as they move along in uh, the formation process and, and take on this identity of seminarian, of man headed to diaconate, uh, to priesthood, et cetera. It, I just love to watch that yeah, and to work with them. Yeah. And can uh, you already see the difference between like a guy when he first came in to like six weeks later now? Uh huh. Yeah. But it happens. Yeah. That because, fast? because just, I mean, just uh, this has happened even today, just today so far with some of the guys, seeing them beginning to have to adjust to this process, to the, the demands of it. And, mm-hmm. um, how some of them keep looking back at their old lives mm-hmm. or their former <laughs> lives mm-hmm. and some, you know, being torn between and just watching that. It, yeah. It's mm. so much fun because they're mm-hmm. growing. They're growing enormously. That's right. Yeah. I really enjoy that. Piece. What did Jesus say about putting your hand to the plow and looking back? Don't look back. No, no, no. Father David, I cut you off. Could attest to that too. No, um, I just you said you had a lot of spiritual directees, and you do a lot of spiritual direction. How many spiritual directees do you have currently? Forty-nine. That's seminarians. Wow, that doesn't count the priests or the other people who come. How often, approximately, do you meet with these directees? Most of them every two weeks, but some wow. of them come for other things. Uh, you know, wow. they we they want to talk more, so we 
book another appointment somewhere between their two weeks. So yeah. God bless so you. So Father Sy's office is right below my office, and I can't hear anything that's being said, but I know when he's in his office, and sometimes I'll play my ukulele, and you can probably hear. Oh, yeah, I can hear that. <laughs> and when I start screaming at the top of my lungs because I'm angry, you can right. hear that, too. That's when the guys look up at the ceiling. <laughs> What's going on with Father Craig? I always tell him it's God. But... <laughs> that's awesome. Uh -huh. That's great. Well, Father David, what's been going on with you? Anything new? Oh, well, it's not exactly new, but I've been teaching uh, since the semester began at Divine Child in the high school, just one section of a philosophy class. And so I had a lot of fun the last two days. We're studying Plato, uh, not like the Plato, like the kid's toy, but the philosopher. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I think the kids were getting their minds blown a little bit with the allegory of the cave, which mm -hmm. is one of his most famous uh, kind of allegories. Uh, but we went over that the last couple days. And uh, so it was just fun to see the kids get very into it. I had them all uh, draw. They could they could opt out. They could find an image or they could draw it themselves, uh, the allegory. And some of them got quite creative. So uh, so it's been a lot of fun. I think that's been a blessing in my life. I, I look forward to teaching them. I think I, I get a lot of energy from teaching and uh, and seeing them kind of grow and develop a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And you said one was really good that you wanted to maybe use it for an example next. There's a, there's a, yeah. One of the kids is, is, is an art a real, real artist. And actually I was talking to her. She's taken a lot of like the art classes, electives in the, the high school. So yeah, she, she really went to town with it. So that's cool. Yeah. Nice. And is there extra credit in your class or no extra credit? There's no extra credit in life. There's also no extra credit in my <laughs> class. Well, however, there are opportunities to enrich your learning. How well, so? <laughs> how so? Redefined it. <laughs> so, but you just don't get credit for them. So I always offer them opportunities to go deeper. But uh, mm -hmm. so far, I haven't given them extra credit, and they haven't really needed it. They're a pretty, they're a pretty bright group. So, except for the long weekend, and you made sure you had a test <laughs> after a long weekend. <laughs> that was a little cruel. They had they had a four day weekend, mm -hmm. and I gave them a test the first day, or a, a quiz, a quiz the first day that they came back, mm -hmm. in hopes that they might have like at least cracked open a textbook or reviewed their notes beforehand. But it was abundantly apparent when I got the quizzes back that they had not. <laughs> and they were very quiet for the rest of the class after that quiz. And I was wondering why until I looked at the the quizzes and then, I, oh, that's why. Oh. It's sort of like when we would go on uh, off-campus weekend here at the seminary, we'd have like three days where we'd go home or go to the parish or go hang out with friends. And I'd bring home all these books. Like I was going to get a paper done and everything. And I didn't crack a single thing. Yeah, open. You wouldn't even open the backpack. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Wasted your time having fun. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I have a little story to share um, uh, because you're a name father, Sai. And Sai is short for Cyril and named after a particular saint. Any of the famous Cyril's? I chose as a result of one of the priests who had me in college, I chose Cyril of Jerusalem. Okay. Ah. But my great grandfather, my father, or my grandfather, my father, and I are named Cyril. Wow. They all hated it except for me. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know that it's Curie, the diminutive of Curie, Lord. Oh, okay. Oh, really? Little Lord. Mm -hmm. That's Ooh. interesting. So you're the like Cyril the fifth? Fourth. Fourth. Mm -hmm. Wow. There's no, there's no fifth, believe me. <laughs> there's no fifth. <laughs> well, it's interesting that of your name is, um, you know, I, of course, known my grandfather all my life, and uh, his name is Joseph. We always celebrate, you know, Joseph the worker. We always mm -hmm. knew when his feast day was called Grandpa, you know, happy feast day and everything like that. 
And uh, after he passed away a number of years later, I was talking to my grandma and she kind of slyly said something like to the effect of, you know, your grandfather, Sai. I'm like, Sai? <laughs> Is that his real name? Like, what? oh, that's his nickname. We all, all of us girls used to call him. I'm like, well, how did he get that name? Well, first of all, my grandfather wanted to be a priest. And huh? then he saw mm. my grandmother dancing in a yellow dress. And that was the that end was of it. it. <laughs> that was the end of it. But he had a nickname from all the girls at the school because he didn't know how to dance. All he knew how to do was twirl them in a circle. <laughs> so he was named Cyclone. <laughs> so he would just take you and spin you around the whole time. <laughs> so he's not Cyril That's of Jerusalem. No. He's Cyclone. Yeah. <laughs> Cyril of Jerusalem because he wrote so well of the on the uh, Eucharist. Yeah. And mm. the catechesis. Yeah. I, I love his catechesis. Very much. Yeah. Is there like a, a particular book uh, that you would recommend that you can get about? On Cyril? Yeah. No. No. Okay. <laughs> no. There's all kinds of stuff out there you can read. I don't know Wait, of a particular book. But, waiting for uh, you to write one. Hmm? Waiting for you to write one. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll get started on that right after the <laughs> podcast. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> well, speaking of podcasts, uh, how about you start into your vocation story and okay. however you want to tell it, and okay. I'll probably ask you a lot of questions along the way. Okay. Well, there are only two things I ever wanted to be a teacher and a priest, and I wanted to be both of those even when I was a kid. I graduated from college when I was 20, and I thought I was going to enter the diocesan seminary in Cincinnati and be a diocesan priest, but my father died a couple weeks before I graduated from college, and I thought I had to go to work. <laughs> mm. So I got my first wish, I became a teacher. And um, I did that, to make a long story <laughs> short, for 22 years. Yeah. And wow. then... Um, was, that, was that at the high school level? The that was at the level? grade school, the okay. high school, and I even taught some college in that time. So. Oh, wow. Um, I uh, was teaching one day at Archbishop Moeller High School in Cincinnati, where I went to high school. And um, I really don't know what, what, what got into me. I had thought of being a priest for years. Yeah, let's rewind a little bit. Yeah. Let's go back to like as a kid, you always yeah. wanted like when it was that first inkling, like when you were like five, when you were ten. Did you play mass? Did you know the priest? Did they get invited oh, I, to your family? Oh, I, I I served a lot. Okay. I started serving in fourth grade. Uh, mass was still in Latin at that point, and um, then it changed by the time I was in the late fifth grade. Mm. Um, but I served a lot, and. Uh, let's see, there was Father Minerding when I was in the fifth grade, <laughs> saw me on the playground one day and he said, Cyril, you know, you have a vocation. Oh, wow. And then there was Father Lobber, who was the greatest guy in the world. He used to say to me, you know, I think, I think Cyril, you could have a vocation. Okay. And uh, then when I was in college, Father Felton used to say to me every day as I went into class, Cyril, why don't you join us? He was a Jesuit. So okay. why oh, don't you wow. join us? How many times did people say that? I mean, I was telling some of the guys the other day that I went to Old St. Mary's in Cincinnati one Sunday, and Father Radel, whom I didn't even know, came down off the altar after Mass, walked into the pew. <laughs> Cyril, you have a vocation. Oh, my goodness. I thought, I don't even know how you know my name, Father. I mean... <laughs> And I found myself doing that a couple times during the summer. There'd be this very devout guy at Mass at this yeah. church. And I'd have you ever thought of being a priest? Yeah. Yes, I have. I'm thinking about it pretty seriously 
So we have to plant the seeds. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And there are guys out there that may never, ever get there because they haven't been asked. Yeah. Father needs to be paying attention to those guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Invitation. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. you know, the car report comes out every year where they interview the guys who are ordained, and mm-hmm. 77% say they were asked by their parish priest. Well, I, if they two weeks ago, I was uh, at a ordination in St. Ignatius at Boston College. One of my former students from Xavier University mm-hmm. um, was ordained, and he published something called It All Started With a Question. And he came into class one day, I remember this, and uh, he took his test, and it was on Descartes, and uh, I I wrote him an email, and he said, Dear Father Whitaker, I've really been thinking about your your question. I wrote him back, and I said, I just graded your test. Well done. Have you ever thought about being a Jesuit priest? (laughs) (laughs) So here he is. You know, he invited me to come invest him for his wow. first mass. So yeah, that's, awesome. that's beautiful. So let's go back again to, to your childhood. Um, did your parents encourage you? Was it something, I mean, you obviously were going to Catholic school. If the oh, priests yeah, were yeah. talking to you on the playground yeah, telling you yeah. to come serve. I don't know that they encouraged me, but they were never against it. They were very much, my father had no faith. Uh, my parents were married out of church, but... Uh, um, he had no faith, no baptism. But no. they sent you to a Catholic school? Because my mother promised that she would send us to a Catholic school, but they were not mm. married in church, but she never gave up her faith. Okay. And uh, I just remember when I was in first grade, we went to the Carthage Fair, and I was walking a little f- ahead of my mother and my grandmother and my sister, and this lady said, Honey, aren't there any non-Catholics in your family? And I said, Yes, my dad. She said, Give him this scapular. Mm. and pray for him. So I did, and I did. I remember him telling me, first grade, I remember him telling me, I put that scapular in my, in my wallet. I never saw it again until April 17th, 1978. He died that day, and my mother went to the hospital and got his things, and she brought them home. She put stuff down. There was his wallet, and I opened it up, and there was that scapular I had given him 20-something years before. Wow. wow. They, had been, they had been married in the church for a year and 17 days when he died. Wow. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And um, he was baptized, went to confession, received Holy Communion, confirmation, and married all on the same day. That's awesome. Wow. And I was there for all of it, my sister and I. Wow. And that little bit from way long ago of giving him a scapular yeah. really made the difference. Yeah. Yeah. You want to explain to the people a little bit about what the scapular is? Because, you know, believe it or not, there's some people that don't know what that is. Well, this was a green scapular. Um, oh, boy. So it's yeah. green to be distinguished from the brown <laughs> scapular, for yeah. example. And um, it is a, a ribbon with a metal or um, a patch, a paw, whatever yeah. you want to call it, yeah. and on paper. each end, and um, usually a picture of the Blessed Mother and maybe the Immaculate Heart of Mary, yeah. and it has a long history, uh, but you wear it over your neck, one, one of the patches in front and one in the patch in the back, and um, it's a, a sacramental, dedicated, special to the Blessed Mother. Yeah, yeah. and it's like you're wearing her 
protection or right, her, robe. Her, her mantle. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's a promise that comes along if yeah, you faithfully yeah. wear it every yeah. single day that yeah. she will come and get you yeah. at the hour of your death. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. Also, and then I, I often think too. Is that part of the promise? I, I some some of it. Part of the promise. I think it is like. Uh, there's something about like the Saturday after your death, she'll come and bring you right into heaven. The seventeen privilege. Yeah, the seventeen yeah. privilege. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I don't really know for sure, but I remember the day my father came home and said he was going to become a Catholic. Hmm. Um, he came home from work and he told me, "I'm going to go down and see your priest." It happened to be Father Lauber, and who had told me so many times I had a vocation. Hmm. <laughs> But in the old code of canon law, illegitimate boys couldn't be priests. Oh. Mm. And that, that law didn't change to 83. Right. So this is 77, 78 when he was uh, considering becoming a Catholic, and, and he did. I often wondered if Father Lauber was the one who contacted my mom and dad and said, you know, I really think your son might have a vocation. And I really wish we could get this regularized and approved mm. mm-hmm. because as it is, he won't be able to be a priest and he has a vocation, I think. Wow. Mm. So you were waiting literally to, to figure out whether or not you were called to the priesthood, waiting for your father to convert, basically. Yeah, I guess so. I mm-hmm. guess so. And it was Our Lady who... Yeah. Uh, she pulled it through. Yeah. yeah. She Amen. pulled it through. And the green scapular is actually, you wear it for other people. Right. Yeah, because I, I have a green scapular on. It's like in tatters. I sewed it to my brown scapular. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. used to be this huge piece of cloth. Now it's like you can barely see it because <laughs> it's probably... <laughs> well worn. You know, well, mm-hmm. I wear... I never take my scapular off except for the shower. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty worn. Yeah. Worn out. Yeah. So, so okay. So, you went through Catholic school... You went to college. What, what did you study at college then? I studied classical languages and philosophy. Okay. Mm. So very priestly things to do. Well, <laughs> yeah. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. They had a great program at X called uh, the Honors Program and uh, for classicists. And I loved it. I loved it. So, so then you got a job being a teacher and you I got a job both. being a teacher because I thought I needed to go to work. Because my mm-hmm. father had died, so I did. I got a job, and uh, right out of college, I had no education courses or anything like that. Mm. I went in for my first job interview at All Saints. It was this little bitty Sister Mary Delellis was sitting there, and another nun over there, and another nun over there, and Sister Mary Delellis looked up at me and she said, "Mr. Whitaker, are you against abortion?" I said, "Yes, Sister," and mm. she said. She pulled out the chair and she said, you may have a seat. (laughs) (laughs) Two minutes later, I had been hired. Wow. And she said, um, I called Father Felton at XU and I asked him if if he thought you could teach. And he said, well, he just graduated, sister. I really don't know. You'll have to hire him and tell me later on. (laughs) (laughs) So there I was teaching eighth grade. So was the thought after your father became Catholic, were you thinking about the priesthood then, that after mm-hmm. you graduated, you mm-hmm. were going to go into the seminary? Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm-hmm. it, it stuck with you. Oh, it never went away. The, and I was teaching at a, Archbishop Moeller High School, so that would be 98. Mm. 
And I don't know why, but I drove my car into my driveway after school. It was a regular school day. Pressed the button and went into the house, put my books down on the table, turned around and called the Chicago province of the Society of Jesus. And I said to the vocation director, um, my name is Cy Whitaker. I'm interested in entering. And he said, how old are you? I said, 40. He said, "Um, I look for younger men. And I immediately, I don't know where it came from, but I immediately said, it's younger than 41, Father. (laughs) And so he came to Cincinnati, and we went to dinner, and he took me. That's awesome. So our novitiate was right up the street here in Berkeley. Well, it's not right up the street, but it's up the street here in Berkeley. And that's, I went to novitiate there. Well, why did it take 22 years to to get to that point? Yeah, you taught for a long time then. 22 years. I liked teaching. I like to say I became a person in teaching. Mm. Um, because I, I remember the first day I shut the classroom door and there were 51 kids sitting in front of me. I turned around and I had three classes of over class. 50 kids. I turned classes. around and I thought, oh no, it's on me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got to do something. So I found I had strengths. I found that I had talents that I didn't know I had. I did something that I had intrinsic affirmation. I mean, I, got, I had way more than my share of extrinsic praise, way more than my share, but mm. I felt that I was doing something, and in spite of all my mistakes, I could honestly say within myself, I was good at it. Mm-hmm. I was doing mm-hmm. a good job. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to 39 or thereabouts, 38. I just began to think I've taught every subject there is. <laughs> <laughs> advanced biology I told the principal I wasn't a scientist he said well here's your chance <laughs> I never took a Spanish class in my entire life till I taught it wow uh, I took Spanish in, in the novitiate because we had to but I had already taught it for five years in high school uh, wow. why well I had a certif- certificate to teach French so why, why not why wouldn't that qualify you to do Spanish as well Catholic school, the requirement's only a pulse. (laughs) And uh, so I I really did. I taught all kinds of stuff. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, when you have a Latin degree, you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of cool to to recognize that, you know, you were discovering who you were as a teacher. You were learning your strengths, your your gifts. Um, You know, at the time when you were going through, you know, teaching, did you ever date? Did you ever think about marriage? Oh, yeah. I had my chance to be married. I had my chance. I really did. She wanted to have 12 kids. Wow. She did get married and had 11, but uh, (laughs) I used to tell her we could start a school of our own. She was a teacher, (laughs) too. (laughs) Yeah, but I had my chance, and I remember having to tell her, no, I I don't think so. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's just kind of cool because, I mean, sometimes I'll talk to guys and, and they'll be like, you know, I, I made this commitment to discern. And then right when I made that commitment, this, you know, the girl of my dreams came into my life. So I, I think I want to date her. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't work yeah. out. But it seems like there's no one clear path no. to your vocation. And, no. and sometimes we need to go down different roads to know which road is mm-hmm. right for us or what oh, God has called us to. Yeah. I mean, I could say I wish I had entered sooner. You know, my class went from 20 to 42, <laughs> me, <laughs> you know. Um, I wish I, I could say I wish I could have entered, but I wouldn't have taught all those kids. Yeah. I mean, 
Two of my former students, I was seven years older than my first eighth graders. And two of them have stayed in contact. They sent me birthday cards. And I mean, others are in contact over the, you know, lots and lots of kids. But these two regularly, I did their, I did their, I did their children's weddings. Wow. <laughs> I did their parents' funerals. Wow. So, uh, but I taught them, yeah, I was seven years older than they were. Yeah. So, so now you're done teaching. You, you, you got out of your car to go talk to <laughs> the vocation director. How did you decide religious order priest compared to um, diocesan priest? Because I mean, that's a, you know, you were thinking about diocesan yeah, before yeah. your father passed away. Yeah, I think it was probably Father Felton when I was in college. He, he always would say, as I said to you, Cyril, why don't you join us? And then I was, I think I was 38, so that's 18 years after I graduated from college. And one, one evening I was distributing Holy Communion at a nursing home, and the lady who ran the place asked me if I would wait and serve Mass for the priest who was coming to say Mass. It happened to be Father Felton <laughs> from college. I hadn't wow. seen him in 18 years, and he said, Cyril, why don't you join us? <laughs> and he'd yeah. been saying it for years. And, wow. Um, I was I was drawn by a number of the the older Jesuits that I who taught at XU, Father Burke, the smartest man I've ever known, Father Father Schmidt. I remember telling my dad, I want to be like Father Schmidt. He walks across campus with such purpose. <laughs> he was still wearing his cassock at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, so was Father Burke, Father Felton. They were they were brilliant men. Mm -hmm. um, and I was drawn by their love of classics, the church, the humanities, and by their love of the priesthood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Religious life as Jesuits who were also priests, because yeah. we yeah. think of it as having two vocations, um, huh. one to religious life as a Jesuit and one as a priest, because I don't have to be a priest and be a, to be a Jesuit. You know? Really? Uh, so Jesuit is a vocation of its own. Most religious think of whatever order or community they belong to as a vocation to that. So a vocation to this particular order and its particular charism and what it's all about, and then a Jesuit who became a priest. Yeah. Yeah. It's You're supposed to enter with as indifference, but <laughs> the day I entered the novitiate, the novice master said, "I didn't know whether to give you last rites or shake your hand." <laughs> <laughs> wow! I love my novice master. Yeah, was it uncommon then to to be an older vocation at that time? It was more uncommon to be a younger vocation at that really? time. Hmm. There are fewer older men entering the society now than there were just 20 years ago, 25 years ago, something like that. Well, I mean, Jesuits are known for their academic rigor. I mean, you yeah. got to be pretty smart to to join their order. I guess so. I mean, even though I uh even though I'd already had many degrees, I still had to do uh 11 years before I got ordained. Wow. But you want to explain that to us? Finished. Like, That's, what do you do? Wow. Like, why don't you explain that to, to us here? Okay, so I Like, had even, do, like, how do you start? Like, what does it mean to go into the novitiate? I called, as I said, I called the novice master, or called the vocation director, and um, I was in candidacy for a year. 
they don't count that as part of formation. <laughs> um, and I had to teach at uh, Loyola Academy in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And um, then I entered the novitiate, and our novitiate is two years long. Um, Why don't you explain what a novitiate is? Yeah, it's a period where men who are interested in this religious order enter, study a lot of our history, learn to live in community hmm. uh, in a religious fashion. You know, In our novitiates, the first half of each year is in class, academic, and then the second half of each year is you go on experiment. Uh, I never left Detroit for either of my experiments. I was. What do you mean uh, experiment? Yeah, is that you went on a ministry kind of okay. thing? Okay. I. I taught at the university, two days a week at UDM. Hmm. The other two days, I taught preschool down on Grandin. <laughs> wow! Um, Both ends of the. Uh. Because the novice master said I needed to learn how to play. I didn't have any trouble with it. It was fine. I loved it. (laughs) And I did the uh, Father's Initiative Project here in Detroit. And I also worked at the parish, the Jesuit parish downtown in the Warming Center. It's now called the Pope Francis Center. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, I was there. After that, we went to studies in Chicago at Loyola. And what degree were you getting at at studies? Well, whatever one they tell you to get. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) Which one did they tell you to get? (laughs) They told me I needed to do um, the doctorate in philosophy. So I began to work on that, and uh, I was also doing more work in classics at the time. I wanted to go ahead and uh, go on to theology after studies. Mm -hmm. Well, I had to go to regency first, which meant I had to do teaching for two years at Xavier University. Then I went on to theology. the doctorate was going to set me back two years. And I mean, I really wanted to be a priest at this point. Yeah. yeah. And um, so what, I, what, I. What is Regency? That's just. Regency is a stage teaching. between first studies and theology. It's very often three years. If you get four years, you've been bad. But uh, <laughs> uh, three years, I just had to do two. And uh, it's some kind of ministry. Very often, it's teaching. And I was sent to Xavier to teach in Regency. And uh, so I taught my two years there. And then I went to Boston College and the Western School of Theology for theology. And I was there for, what, four years of theology. And uh, I got ordained a deacon. And then that summer, a priest. Hmm. But ordination isn't finished. I mean, we, I, you're in for seven years. And then you go to something called tertianship, which is the third year of novitiate. Hmm. And um, that was a year in Oregon. And then two years after that, you can petition the general for final vows. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. It's a lot. I, I, I thought eight years was long. That's well, how, how long I yeah. was in Well, I mean, if I had entered out of, let's say, college, it would have been more like 15 or 16. Wow. So... But I just had eleven. A long journey. I was elderly. <laughs> yeah, it's rigorous. Yeah. yeah, it's very rigorous. Yeah, I, I. But I loved studies. So. Yeah. And then, why don't you explain the difference? Because as a diocesan priest, I make th- promises, but you make actual vows. You're right. Want to explain that for us? A religious has at least the three vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. In the society, there's a graded priesthood. There's an A priest and a B priest. <laughs> <laughs> really? Um, Father David's an all A priest. Oh, right, right. <laughs> the, uh, 
the fully professed father is the one who has the three vows plus the fourth vow and three smaller ones. Oh, wow. What are those? Uh, the, f the fourth vow, I can't say the three smaller ones, but the fourth one is the major one that determines your grade in the priesthood. It's for apostolic purposes uh, and um, allegiance to the Pope, Holy mm -hmm. Father. Mm -hmm. The spiritual coadjutor takes the three other vows, finally, uh, poverty, chastity, and obedience. And um, the reason, there are a number of reasons, but one of the major region, reasons was that the Pope wanted the Society of Jesus never to have more than 60 priests. Hmm. He wanted it to stay small. But Ignatius, soon realizing he needed more than 60 priests, set up a system where there'd be a graded priesthood, and then he could have all these other guys come in. <laughs> and, um, and that's what he did. That's interesting. Uh, the, as far as your life goes, it doesn't make any difference, really. Mm -hmm. uh, but it does determine certain positions that you can have, like you can't be a provincial of a, well, you know. Who wanted to be one of those? <laughs> but, but but you have to have a, the fourth vow to be a provincial, for example. Okay. Well, what is a provincial for those of us who don't know? The provincial is the superior that, you know, if I, when you promise your uh, promises to the bishop, mm -hmm. I make mine to the provincial. Okay. And so... That's like what province you yeah, are. Yeah, okay, right. That makes right. sense. No? To the province. Yeah. How many so, provinces in the U.S.? Well, they've been, I think there are six now. Okay. They went down considerably when there was some merging. Okay. There was a Detroit province and a Chicago province and a Wisconsin province when I joined. Detroit merged and then later Wisconsin merged. So it's that's called the Midwest province now. Mm. After you were ordained, like what were some of your assignments then? From My first assignment was to be uh, the assistant pastor at St. Xavier's downtown in Cincinnati. That's our Jesuit parish. It's beautiful parish. We never destroyed that one. It wasn't modernized <laughs> or anything. It's just really old and beautiful. It's 200-year-old church. Wow. And I taught full-time at XU. Then I moved out of that at the parish and moved to Xavier University itself and taught full-time there and was assistant in a number of parishes across town. Are you going to come to Father David's class and be a guest lecturer? One I day? could be if he asked me. Yeah. I was thinking of my own picture of the allegory of the cave that I used to draw on the blackboard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to actually think that was pretty good, too. <laughs> I liked my picture. So uh, it is a fascinating picture when you see it. You know, you got somebody who actually draws a picture. That's a that's a long piece to it is it's, to it's put into in a depth, picture. It's know? a neat mm -hmm. neat thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's maybe great. if he asked me, there you go. <laughs> And then how did you get to the seminary then? I uh, I wanted, I had hoped, after tertianship, that I could go work with the Sisters of Life. They attract a certain kind of Jesuit, so uh, <laughs> I was really looking forward to that. But I was in Oregon for tertianship, and I was driving down the road one day, and the provincial said, well, you know, I know we thought your teaching days were over, but they're not. Mm. And they weren't. So <laughs> he sent me to the high school here in Detroit. I taught a couple classes to seniors there the first semester, and I was here part-time. That whole first year, I was being vetted, so I'm told, oh. by the seminary. Mm. And uh, then uh, the second year, I, I moved in, and I've been here ever since. And how many years has that been? This is my sixth year working okay. here, been my here for fifth quite a while, year living yeah. here. So uh, 
why don't you get into a little bit about what a spiritual director actually does at a seminary and what would guys have to look forward to if you know they discerned and came to the seminary like what's that all about what, what's your job and and how do you help the men I spend most of my time listening to guys all day. Because, I mean, I, I think a lot of times when we read, like, books, like, uh, you know, St. Faustina and stuff like that, they have spiritual directors that tell them, like, you have to do this, and you're fasting on this day, and you yeah. don't say yes to nobody unless I tell you you can say yes. And guys have this image of, like, the spiritual director that tells you what to do, but that's really not what a modern-day spiritual director no, really is. It. I mean, there are times when you can tell a guy what to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, but... Yeah. Most of the time, uh, guys come and they want to talk. They want to talk about their vocation, what's going on in their life, uh, about prayer. Uh, maybe sometimes a guy wants to talk about what are some of the things that he finds hard about life, about religious life, about uh, his studies, some of his own personal stuff. It's, it's, it's a place, spiritual direction is, you know, it's internal form. Um, so the guy can talk to me about whatever he wants to talk about, and I can't speak to anybody, and nobody comes and talks to me about anything that anybody has said. Mm -hmm. So it's a really good opportunity for a guy to be able to speak what's going on in his life. It's well, very personal. It's, it's very, very intimate. Personal. You know, and and um, yeah. I'm going to hear things that maybe most people here won't hear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I very much enjoy just being the listener and just watching guys take on the identity and seeing what God can do and what God does do with some of our men as they deepen in this identity of seminarian and ultimately deacon and priest. Are, is there anything that you're looking for it's for a man to, you know, like after he comes into the seminary by such and such, by Christmas time, are you in your head thinking like, I got to get this guy to this place or is it sort of like their own little journey and you're just there? No, there are times them. when you need to get a guy to a place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are times when you need to say to somebody, you know, we, we got to bring this into greater focus. And it's exciting mm -hmm. to think, my goodness, this discernment process, it, it got me here. I don't have to discern being here anymore. I'm here. And my vocation, this is what it looks like now. It's not when I get up off the floor on ordination day. Yeah. It suddenly started. Mm. This is my vocation now. This is what it looks like now. That's what made St. Teresa Lysia holy. Yeah. She was able to be holy and to love where she was then, now. To help them see that, or try to help them see, this is really very exciting. At least it is in my chair. I don't know what it is. No, it's exciting for me, too, yeah. because I think back of, of the time when I was applying to the seminary, yeah. you know, and, and when I was talking to the vocation director, I mean, it's just it's such a fascinating time in someone's life to, yeah. to go away to seminary and yeah. start studying, but also mm -hmm. being formed into yeah. a, a new man in, in so many different ways. I mean, yeah. the seminary teaches you how to be a man, how to you know, be masculine in a sense of, of, you know, I need to take responsibility for my life in, in all the areas, yeah. whether it be spiritual, intellectual, pastoral, and of course, human. And, and um, we yeah. need that these days, you know? Yeah. And it, yeah, because, you know, some of these guys are only, well, a couple, a few of them are out of high school. Yeah. I remember when I was in the seminary, I, uh, <laughs> it's a funny story. The guys, the, the guy didn't go 
far into the seminary, but he was right out of high school and, and he lived right next door. His room was right next to mine. So we all shared a bathroom down that hallway. So it was like five of us. And just like there was a, a bar of soap on, on the shower floor for like five days and I got fed up with it. And I was just like, whose bar of soap is on the floor? Pick it up. And he goes, that's mine. I don't know what happened at home when I put it on the floor. It just kind of melts away. <laughs> like, no, your mom picks it up and <laughs> it melts away. Oh my goodness. Uh, so, yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with coming into high school at 18. No, 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 no. Coming into seminary after high school. No, 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 no. But it is fun. It is fun to see them. Like, you got a lot of growing up to do sometimes. You know? I'm missing my parents, Father. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Can I still go out with my friends? Yeah. Yeah, you can still have friends. Yeah, and, yeah you can. You, that's why we give you off-campus weekends, you know, so that you can go do normal things and yeah. see friends, etc. But you have to know that now you're a seminarian. Mm-hmm. Now you're a seminarian. You're you're not just so and so anymore. You're so and so a seminarian, and you're a man with a plan. You're a man on a path. Uh, you don't have to start planning your first mass today, but be here now. Yeah. And the Marianist that... always said when I was in high school, the Marianists have that phrase, be here now, the sacrament of the present moment. Yep. This is where Jesus is right now. His name is I am, not I was and not I will be. Mm-hmm. It's I am. Be here now. And it's so much fun when you see like this guy who was brand new last year out of high school and he's the old man this year, <laughs> you know. He's helping these other guys. It's just fun to watch, uh, especially if, and and the older men too, to to who've come in with some experience in life. Just to see them take on this identity, mm-hmm. they're looking for God. They're looking for, am I doing the will of God? Am I am I electing what God has elected for me? Mm-hmm. Is this the path for my life? That's, That's very, very exciting. Very nation language too. Yes, uh-huh. electing. Mm-hmm. Electing. I'm big on the election. Great yeah. big on the election. You want to explain that a little bit? Because I never heard of that yeah. election. In the long retreat, the 30-day retreat of Saint Ignatius, there's a section called the election, and uh, I got to preach on this uh, for 15. It's what I was talking about. Uh, when I was writing all those talks during the summer. Yeah. Mm. But the only the, time I saw your door closed outside of spiritual direction is you trying to put, to, to yeah, put together my 15 talks on <laughs> the election, <laughs> the sushi pay, and the contemplation to attain love. But wow. it's the election is a point in the retreat where Ignatius asks the retreatant to consider, is this what God is calling me to? Religious life as a Jesuit who may be a brother or a priest, and the second time is for confirmation after his ordination of the mm-hmm. of the vocation. But it's the understanding that God created me to praise, reverence, and serve him, and by doing so, save my immortal soul. That's right out of the purpose. Notice it doesn't say anything about happiness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't say anything about, I want to be happy and make lots of money or something like that. No, God created me to praise, reverence, and serve him, and by doing so, save my soul. In other words, I've been created with a purpose that I didn't give myself. And God is gonna call me to live a life 
that praises, reverences, and serves him, and that saves my soul. Mm. In that, there will be joy, which is for now, happiness, we hope someday, but Mm -hmm. joy for now and hope for the future. And happiness, yeah, yeah. Happiness is somewhat fleeting. I think the inner joy is what is lasting. And and I try to tell people that when I go preaching about our vocation, at first, our general vocation is to to know that we're loved by God, that we're a child of God. But then because we're part of God's family, you know, we're God's son or daughter, then God gives us our vocation, our specific Mm -hmm. vocation. Mm -hmm. And it's when we live that out is where we find our joy and we find our fulfillment. And you know what? It comes with a sacrifice. Yes. Right. Some type of sacrifice, some type of cross is going to come to you whether you choose it or not. So you might as well make that sacrifice and make that choice with God than to let one just come upon you, right? So the first election, in a sense, has already been made. God has created you to praise, reverence, and serve him. The second one is, am I electing what God has elected for me? Am I electing what will be my response of love to the one who loved me first? So election, you can think of it as choice, right? Yes, and it's absolutely. Another word for choice. It's and not so it's, about voting. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> it's about it's about choosing, and, and it's yeah. choosing the the way, choosing what God has chosen for you as the specific way to praise, reverence, and and yeah, adore as a response of love, as yes. living my life as a response of love to the love that loved me first. Yeah. And there's something really beautiful about that because yeah. I I think, you know. First of all, knowing that we're created, right? That we didn't create ourselves, and and I think that's that's so important these days, right? Uh, because that means, like you said, you have a purpose greater than yourself, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's to to glorify God, and uh, and and I think, especially, I find with young people that that resonates with their heart. Is like you're called to something greater. You're called to something more than just satisfying my every want and and making me feel happy Mm -hmm. right you're called to something much much nobler than that Mm -hmm. and uh, and the election is kind of finding the particular way in which god has 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 called you to do that Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, it's a great paradox too the more we try to take for ourselves we might get that little bit of joy but then it's fleeting it goes and it's only when we give of ourselves lose our life is where we gain our life back ready to us and exitus you know Mm -hmm. exitus and ready to us excuse me I think of St. Thomas as having more of a circle. Mm-hmm. Ignatius has a circle, but it's more oblong because it's dea riba. If I'm going to follow the master, then I too have to incarnate. I mm. have to enter into the carn, into the world, and follow the master behind him into the world in service mm. because service is my concrete imitation of the Most Holy Trinity who sent the Son to serve, not to be served. So it is to make my way back to heaven, Mm -hmm. but it's only after uh, incarnating, descending into the world as he did in service. In service. Oh, absolutely, in service. Because a lot of times I think, especially when you're kind of new to discerning, you're thinking about what's going to make me happy. It's Uh all about me, and it really should start... Yeah. It's not just about you. It, you know, it's really about living your life as a response of love to the one who loved you first. A life of service, of giving yourself freely in praise, reverence, and service of God and neighbor. Yeah. Yeah, you will be happy. 
Mm-hmm. You have to but, get to that point, though. But you have to get to that point. This mm-hmm. is about loving God with my whole heart. I think Father David has a story about his uh, priestly retreat with you, kind of explaining some of this stuff. You want to oh, bring that yes. up? Yes. I don't, I, I don't know if you remember, uh, Father Whitaker, but uh, when myself and several of my classmates were deacons yeah. preparing to be a priest, sure. uh, most of us never had you as a spiritual director. You were uh, lucky. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but we, we went to a, a local retreat center, St. Paul of the Cross, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you came along with us and were our spiritual director for those uh, five mm-hmm. days, I believe it was. And uh, yeah, no, it was a beautiful time. And a lot of what you were saying was actually kind of bringing back to that and just like, I think a lot of what we talked about, and maybe the other guys, I don't know. We can't really talk about that as in specifics, but uh, but um, was about just this identity, right? The identity of being a priest and becoming a priest. And what, what does that look like? That it's not just a job that you do, but it's something you become, someone yeah. you become. And yeah. uh, so so I have, I have very fond memories of that retreat. Yeah. Um, and I believe you were also reading uh, about St. John Eudes, a lot oh, of yeah. his writing yeah. oh, that, yeah. on that retreat mm-hmm. as well. So uh, Yeah. Uh, yeah. For those of you who heard the, our first episode, we talked about... <laughs> Throwback. St. <laughs> John Eudes. Yes. St. <laughs> John Eudes. I was born on his feast day. Oh, and were you? He, August he talks, 19th. Yes, August uh-huh. 19th. And mm-hmm. he talks about the, the union of the hearts, the sacred heart and the... Yeah. Immaculate heart and kind of putting our hearts right up there with hence the men of the heart. Men yeah, of the yeah, hearts. Right. So, oh, yeah, I see. Yeah. Okay. Men of the hearts podcast. And he also has the dignity yeah. of the priesthood too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Many good things in there. I gave that retreat that he has in there. Oh, I did sided you really? up just a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> uh, sided up. I sided <laughs> up a little bit. But I it, it was uh it was basically his retreat. It's really very beautiful. That's oh, awesome. That's yeah. a very good book. Well, Father Sai, we have a little bit a little bit of time left. Maybe just one more question of like yeah. what advice would you give to a young man who's listening right now who thinks he might be called to the priesthood but is just still kind of thinking about things? Uh, what would what would be your advice to him? If he came to you for spiritual direction, let's say, and said, "Hey, I heard you help people along." <laughs> what would what would you say in in a in a short I would say session? Either find a spiritual director or come back and talk to me, and let's keep <laughs> talking about this. Let's be open to the possibilities of what God wants for you, and let's let's just talk about those tugs, those feelings, those interests, and let's let's just see, you know, or get a good idea of what would be the. And I like to think this way; it's a Jesuit way. The next right step yeah. for you. Mm. Um, to think in terms of the next right step for you, but right, you're 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 doing what you're supposed to do. You're looking into it, and I like to tell them, you know, there's lots of young guys out there, but they're not all here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not all here, and even if you came and you decided to discern out, you'd be a better man for it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and if you stay long enough, you'll have one of the most exciting jobs in the world. Mm. Yeah. 
And if you come to our discernment weekends, you usually have a chance to talk yeah. to Father Sai because he yeah. will do a little yeah. bit of spiritual yeah. direction yeah. with some guys and mm -hmm. talk to them and kind of talk a little bit more mm -hmm. about formation and spiritual life. And yeah. uh, I think, and that speaks to some of these guys as well as when they come to the seminary and they, they spend four days with the seminarians and now it's Sunday afternoon and they look at me and say, I, I kind of don't want to leave. I, yeah. I wish I was here already. That's sort of a good indication that, Absolutely. yeah, this is the next step. And yeah. then, okay, from there we can yeah. discern more. But yeah. What's the next step for you? Yeah. I, 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 and, and I try to emphasize that it's, it's really quite exciting for you, kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be, to be thinking about this and, and, um, uh, to be open to the possibilities mm -hmm. of what what you could become. We gotta be so careful not to let it become what we do. Mm -hmm. It's what we are. And out of what we are, we do what we do. Amen. That's great. That's it. Mm -hmm. See, Father David, I told you. <laughs> I was so so when we began the podcast. Now I'm just I'm Have floating you, on cloud nine. Uplifted. Uplifted. All this, I, all I'm like a 10 out of 10 right now. Spiritual grace. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I want to get into the chapel right now and just start praying. Do a holy hour. It's awesome. I want to discern all over again. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't wanna... I, don't, I don't know about that, but not me either. <laughs> uh, well, Good. Father, Father Sai, it was wonderful to have you oh, on it's and, great and, to, and be to speak here. and to yeah. really help some of the listeners just know what they need to maybe, maybe do next. And yeah. Yeah. You know, enliven us with your vocation story. So really appreciate you coming out Glad and, and being it. with us. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you. Thanks for sharing, and uh, thanks for all you do for the seminarians as thank well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, Father Sai, would you like to lead us uh, sure. with a prayer? In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. God, our Lord, we give you thanks for this uh, opportunity to speak about our vocations about the priesthood, about religious life. Touch the hearts and minds of young people. Draw them close. Inspire them. Put good priests and religious in their lives that they may be drawn and pulled forward. And Mary, we ask you to pray with us and for us, to be the mother of our vocation, the mother of our priesthood, as you were the mother of our high priest. Pray for us. Pray for all of us that we can follow your son without reservation, without hesitancy, with complete and total love, as you did. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. That was mm -hmm. beautiful. Mm -hmm. You've been listening to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me every month, Father Craig Guerra. And me, Father David Pelican. As we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcast and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com.